What's up, dirtbags? Welcome to episode 144 of... Whoops. Whoa, 40. Holy... Ho- <laughs> Uh, 140 god Whoa, dang it. marty mcfly over here i'm trying to, yeah <laughs> marty mcfly would you would you go to get into delorean i was wondering who's delorean that was parked out in the front driveway yeah that's 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 mine <laughs> you can get going 88 miles per hour down your stretch right in front of your house here straight stainless <laughs> you know it, it, it actually used to have a paint job but the girls liked it so much that they rubbed the paint off <laughs> I got, so, it, it was something like that. It was something so like actually, that. welcome to episode 140. Yeah, my bad there. And and the crazy thing is, like, I truly have a notebook sitting right next to me that says episode 140, Eric McCoyd, right on it. And for some reason, I went 44. You, you just straight 144 here. So uh, yeah, I mean, I was just excited to bring the listeners this week's episode. And, you know, I, I just wanted to make it bigger than what it was. <laughs> by the end of it, we might be to our 300th episode. I mean, we, fireworks might but who's be going counting? Who's counting? Count- you were making fun of me for my math skills not too long ago on episodes. So. Yeah, my bad. My bad. <laughs> God dang it. Like, I had, I had gone a while, like, where I really hadn't done anything uh, make, make fun of worthy. And I feel and, sorry for some of our slower dirtbags out there that are just like, Holy buckets! Did I miss four episodes? Yeah, They're going yep. back right and now did. to try to you find. Did. Go find them. The lost episodes is what we're going to call them. You know, two bad two two picks Hicks is over there, like going on. Like, what's what's going on? Yeah, he's starting to get the shakes and <laughs> scratching. And <laughs> y'all got any more of those there episodes? <laughs> okay, episode right. one hundred and forty. Yep. Uh, um, and if you're wondering, did that dude? Did those dudes? just call us dirtbags yes we did and uh dirtbag is uh, actually the term uh, uh for for the listeners of this show so if you're listening to this right now thinking these guys are morons <laughs> guess what you're a dirtbag yep. so uh uh welcome to the dirtbag uh, kingdom or kingdom of dirtbags whatever you want to call it but uh that's what this is uh yeah i guess uh i don't know i i, I don't really i don't got a whole lot to to really get into beforehand we've got eric mcquade on the show today yeah. um if that name uh if mcquade sounds familiar it probably should uh if you're in the Mille Lacs area um that's uh that's one of those names that uh kind of iconic in that area and uh eric's no different eric won the nwt championship uh last week uh on otter tail lake uh in western minnesota and uh so we thought hey we're gonna get that dude on and uh uh, kind of let him sh- uh, spill some juice on uh, how that how that tournament went for him. Yeah, it should be fun. I mean, he really hammered him up there, so it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what what his take on the whole tournament was. You bet. Let's get over to him. Hey, Eric, are you there? Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining the show today. Uh, um, have you ever been on a podcast before? Uh I did one last week. You did one last th- week. Th- these are my, my first few that I've done. Right okay. On. How do you feel about it? Uh, it's a lot of fun. Do you? Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Ho- hopefully this one is too for you. <laughs> yep. We, it, it will be. We like to have a lot of fun on this show. Yeah, we're we're pretty easy going. Crack a beer if you feel like it. I mean, we're <laughs> we're uh, we're open with anything. But uh, um, we always like to get our show uh, started off with a couple random questions, Eric. So uh, I'll start it off. What's your favorite kind of potato chip? Uh, I'd probably have to say the old Dutch dill pickle. Old, old Dutch dill pickle. Right. Is is that are those straight or do they got the the ripples? Uh they're the straight straight ones. They're the straight. Okay. All right. All right. Um, now you go to college up in Bemidji State, right? Yep. All right. What's what's your favorite little like little dive bar restaurant up there? Uh I just found one a couple weeks ago. I don't remember what it was called. It's towards the north end of the lake, though. Okay. okay what, what, what was pretty good burgers and everything else up there. All right. What kind of burger you go for? Usually a bacon cheeseburger. Not, oh, yeah. not a mushroom Swiss like Drake? No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said that everybody would know that he gets a mushroom Swiss, so. Yeah, he, he, he does. <laughs> yeah, not... I, I let them keep all the, all the veggies and all the other extra stuff. Yeah, fung- fungus. Uh, now that that's that doesn't belong in food. <laughs> yep. All right, Eric. Uh, so you you come from a family of fishermen. Your dad is a, a tournament fisherman. Your grandpa was a tournament fisherman, uh, and and they're both guides, right? Uh, how? I mean, what was that like growing up? When I mean, everything was fishing. 
Oh, it was a lot of fun. It definitely made me go outdoors a lot. Uh, I was my grandpa kind of grew out of fishing by the time I was getting older. I remember going out with him a few times when I was younger. Uh, then he transferred over to shooting prairie dogs a lot. So ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, <laughs> but my uh, so he owned McCoy's Inn. It's a resort and motel on Malax Lake. Yeah. Then he sold that a couple years ago, so I kind of grew up helping him out there, working on, he had three launches, like went out pretty much every weekend. And then my, my dad owned a resort on Malax too. <clears throat> so I grew up working the winter season for him, and uh, he's he's been fishing since, uh, I think it was the 80s, he started fishing my grandpa, and then he started getting the Pro-Ams in the early 90s. And then uh, I, I kind of traveled with him my whole life, and growing up into the into the industry it definitely helped me a lot and then made me just kind of made it my dream to be up on the stage competing against all these guys that i've idolized my whole life now now what was it like working on those charter boats it, it had its moments it was definitely <laughs> a lot of fun and there's some of those nights that you just kind of pulled your hair out <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I could about it, imagine <laughs> it was a lot of fun he, if you ask my mom, she didn't like it all the time with the bachelor parties and whatnot. Oh, too, oh so yeah. Well. I think I started there when I was probably 13 or 14. and did that for a couple of years, and it it definitely helped. It was, it was nice just being on the water and being able to help people, whether they've fished before or that was their first time fishing or all the families and everything else out there. Did you get more, like, first-time fishermen or like real inexperienced ones or did you ever run into the ones that didn't want you to even buy them because they knew you know they knew more than you so why even why why are you trying to help me it, it was definitely a lot of kind of slipped down the middle you get those guys that know everything and they definitely don't want to listen to a, a 14 year old kid tell them anything <laughs> and then uh, those guys have never done it before and just kind of wanted all the all the little tips that they could get What's what's the wildest experience you ever had out there uh, with that? I mean, do you ever you ever have anything really crazy, really sketchy happen? Uh, nothing super crazy. Um, there's a few bachelor parties that got a little out of hand. That I don't know if I should repeat some of the stuff they've done. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're we're not. This is this is you know we try to keep it less than rated R, so we'll, yep. we'll let that slide. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Um, so how, how, how did you end up starting to tournament fish? Uh, so when I was eight years old, I fished my first local ones around the lakes with my dad for walleyes and bass tournaments. And then, uh, when I was 15, we started fishing the master's walleye circuit together. So started traveling all across the Midwest doing those. And then I did the Coingler side of the national walleye tour the last couple of years. And this year's my, my first first year on the pro side by myself okay did you decide to do it this year i mean i i guess i, I should have maybe mentioned this earlier but you're 21 years old and still a college student did you decide to do it this year strictly because of the schedule you know with two out there on the missouri river and then the championship there on otter tail uh you know did it just make too much sense for you not to to give it a shot um or, i think it was more so i was just i was confident that i could good fish against these guys or I, I wanted to throw my hat in the ring and just kind of prove to myself that I could do it and the, the last couple of years I thought about it and my dad just wanted me to kind of get more get used to it more on the coingler side because honestly I think that's the best thing to do is fish for a coingler for a couple of years and you, you think that you know a lot and then jumping into all the best guys in the country with going in with them with their different little tactics where you could fish the same program all two days or three days of the tournament, but do little things just a little bit different that could help you in the long run. Who was your favorite one that you got to fish with? Uh, it's honestly hard to hard to pick one. Right. Well, you I'd, can pick three. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel the one that sticks out a lot is uh, a championship last year. I got to fish with Justin Snyder. Mm -hmm. We went through a ton of fish on Lake Erie, and then day two I got Adam Anderson, and we got a couple couple big ones that put us into the both into the cut line. Awesome. And then day three I got to fish with Adam's brother uh, Kent out there, 
and it was awesome just even there we were running the same same program just a little bit different and that that helped me this year when we went went out to lake erie i believe that eric if you were to give your season a grade what would you give it oh probably an a an a yeah I, I, I couldn't have, yeah. couldn't have asked for anything better. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, not not a whole <laughs> lot of rookies, uh, you know, end up winning a, a tournament in their first year. And and uh, I, I ran it down at Chamberlain the first one of the year. Uh, you got fortieth, forty uh, third at Sturgeon Bay, forty uh, fifth at Huron, and then in Mobridge uh, you cracked a top ten. You got tenth and uh, got yourself a nice check. And uh, you know, obviously first there at, at Ottertail. Uh, looking back, did something change in between uh, uh, Huron and Mobridge that, or, or did you just feel more comfortable at Mobridge? Or, um, I don't think it, it necessarily changed. I think I got more used to the pressure. Uh, I was already pretty used to it, <clears throat> and then I was able to just find. Once I got the Chamberlain and the Otter Tail, I could fish my confidence baits, or using the live scope and throwing. Uh, 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 like shiver minnows and mm-hmm. glad baits. Yep. And be able to just target individual fish. And that that's what I just love to do. I, up in Bemidji the last couple of years, that's about all I do up there now. You strictly uh, always fish walleye, or do you get into some bass? Uh, I do some bass. I, I guide them a lax a little bit for bass, and then I join the Bemidji State Fishing Team up there, and that's all bass. Did you, did you get onto that? I was talking to Scott beforehand. I was wondering how that was up there for you, like being a walleye guy and, you know, they got the fishing team there. Yeah, I, I tried talking them into doing a walleye league my freshman year, and they weren't going for it. There's a lot of, <laughs> lot of bass guys up there. <laughs> do, you think, do you think that there's room in the fishing world for competitive college walleye fishing teams? Um, I would love for it to happen, but I don't think – I think the biggest part is we're such a small zone that we walleye fish where bass is all across the country. Right. There's a lot, lot more dollars into it. Yeah. I'm I, sure you could, you could get a couple schools to do it maybe, but not, it wouldn't be as big as the, as the bass world. Yeah. Me and Matt have talked about that a lot. You know, I mean the, the NWT, you know, I mean, you guys are fishing at the top level of, of walleye fishing and you know, just the coverage that you guys get and everything, you know, like, no, no offense, but it just, it doesn't, it doesn't even compare to, you know, what happens on the bass side. And, and me and Matt have discussed it a lot. Like, you know, what needs to happen to put walleye fishing up on the same level as, as bass fishing, you know, with the TV coverage and, you know, the websites and everything. And I, I don't know what it exactly needs, but yeah. You know, it, it's definitely gotten a lot better. I think this year it has. Um, yep. yep. NWT added Robert Cardenas started doing all their camera stuff and He's been putting a lot more on social media and everything else. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely do think it's 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 growing in popularity. That's for sure. Yep. Um, back back to the Otter Tail tournament, Eric. Uh, you know, you started off uh, day one. You went out and uh, you ended up catching uh, a little over sixteen pounds, uh, but you ended up getting a, a half pound penalty. Is that correct? Yeah. And- one fish got hooked a little deep with the with the jigging wrap, and she, she didn't want to make it the whole day. Okay, well, I I asked that. I said that to Matt. I said I see you got a penalty, but I I tried to look for a couple uh, uh, of articles or something, you know, to try to see if uh, if you were late coming back or what. But yeah, any anyone who's caught any amount of fish knows that sometimes it just that it, 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 it happens. Gonna happen. <laughs> yep. Well, and hats off to you. I mean, you know, a guy could just, well, you know what, that one ain't going to survive and throw it back, you know, or, or whatever, and, you know, do the do the not off. right thing. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it swam yeah. off. <laughs> yep. But, I mean, you you did it and, you know, took it took it like a man, and, and hats off to you for that. But, uh, um, Thank so you. you. Yeah, so you ended up uh, about 15 and a half pounds uh, sitting in fourth place, and uh, day number two you go out, and holy moly uh, – you, you did what what it took most people to to do in three days you got uh nearly 24 pounds did you know yep. did you know going out on day two like okay something's about to go down or did it just happen just right uh, it basically just happened so even all through practice i only had like maybe seven or eight walleyes i caught and i bet my biggest one was 18 inches long 
So my, my first overs that I saw were on day one. And I had three overs. Vegas was like 25 or so. And then going on on day two, I pulled up to my spot. And the first pass across it had two 19 and a halves and a 19 and 18 and a half. And that, that got me feeling pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> then it, it kind of slowed down for a while. I think I got one more 18 or something to fill out my limit. And then the camera guy was just, just pulling up to me. I could see this fish down there. I thought it was a fish down there. And then uh, threw at him a couple of times, and I was like, oh, it might be a rock. It was just so tight to the bottom. I could see it on the on the live scope. Eventually, I threw probably, it was at least 20, 20 casts at it. And I finally just just ate it and perfectly right, right on camera, and he was right next to us watching it all. And, and that one ended up being like 28 and a half and nine and a half pounds. Yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I sat down for, I don't know, five minutes after that one. Just, I was just shaking so bad because I knew I, had a, knew I had a solid bag that, at that point. Who who did you have for a co-angler that day? Uh, David Landsteiner. He's from down in uh, Dodge Center, I think. Kind of, kind of by Rochester here. And and he was a smidge excited also? Yeah. Yeah, yep. I believe that. <laughs> day one, he had about six and a half pounds. He, he kind of just was going to go with the flow, and he knew I had a good bag on day one, so he was hoping hoping we could do well. Yeah, well, yeah, you, you, you delivered. Uh, yeah, the, the, the camera guy jumped in there, and we got back up in the front of the boat, and I was doing my little interview with him, talking about that fish I just caught. I just kind of kept moving my live scope around as I was talking. I saw three more, and I was like, oh, there they are. <laughs> I threw over there as I was still talking. First first drop, another one ate, ate it, and that one was six and a half pounds. <laughs> Gee, vanilla. <laughs> when you're good, that, you're good. Yeah, when yeah, it's your day, it, yeah. It, that was one of those those days that you dream about, and just to have it happen on, on a tournament day, that, that made it a lot better. And with the camera right there, like yeah. you said, yeah. you know, it's just like usually it happens and there's nobody around. You're just like, nobody's <laughs> exactly. like, it's like you try to explain that to somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, six and a half, uh-huh, yeah, 28 inches, uh-huh, sure, more like, like 24 maybe, but it's just like, yep. nope, here's the proof right there. Did you tell the camera, like, you know, this is what it's been like all day, this is what it was like <laughs> yesterday, this is what no. I see it being like tomorrow, I've nope. got this thing in the bag? Gosh. No. Once I put those those two big ones on the box, I was like, all right, well, I should have a good lead going into day three, and I might have a shot at this thing. And I, I knew my, my co-owner was getting pretty happy, so I knew that should have put him in the top ten at least. And yeah. For us to both have a giant lead, or he had a pound and a half lead going into day three. We got to finish day three together, too, so it was, that was really nice. Well, that's, yeah, that, that had to be nice. Cause so then... he did win? Yep. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah, so he had a pound and a half lead going into day three, and I think he won by eight pounds, seven pounds. Right, right, because you went out and uh, caught uh, a little over 19, 19.21. You know, you were already in first, and uh, you ended up with a total of 58.55. And uh, if I looked correctly, uh, second place had 44. Is that right? Yeah. You won by 14 pounds? Yep. (laughs) Hoofda. Like, like I'm I'm not trying to – you know talk down on anyone but you know you could have dang near given them guys a fourth day <laughs> <laughs> yep wow that was it was definitely a a dream come true that's awesome like even day three out of the top 10 there was seven of us seven of us in the same area okay and then uh the second place tom Wynn, he was he was right next to me all three days just doing something just a little bit different but pretty similar yep now Obviously, you know, even even probably on day two, when you when you come back with a bag at, at you know, 23, 24 pounds, and, and you know what kind of lead you have, uh, you know, I mean, you can't say that it was super suspenseful going out there on day three. You had to know, you know, when you're catching 19 pounds, you know, the chances of somebody else going out there and catching, you know, five, nine pounders is not exactly probable. Did did that did that kind of suck the fact that you probably knew you were gonna win already going into day three or or I mean did that feel better you know there was really there what there couldn't have been a ton of suspense to it yeah it was kind of both ways where it was nice when I had that seven and a half pound lead just because 
then I could just focus on, all right, I need just five fish in the box and I should yeah. have it. Yep. Should, should have it. But at the same time, it would have been fun to have it more suspenseful, but I, I wouldn't have changed it any other way. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, a little mechanical, you know, I mean, you have a motor that doesn't work or, you know, something something mechanical happens and, and all of a sudden you, you're not able to, to, to do much fishing at all in Hoofta. Well, even if, even if all you're catching all day is, you know, 15 inches and it's just like, <laughs> okay, yep. now this is Yeah, it gonna, happens. Right, it, this isn't going to this ain't gonna cut it what at what point in on that last day did did you know like okay you know somebody's really gonna have to have like a super mega day just to, to oh, about 10 o'clock is that when you kind of did you put your fifth fish in the box then that, or? oh that was my fourth fish fourth so, okay right away like 10 minutes into the day i got like a 17 or 18 inch or somewhere in there and then it slowed down or it took me probably an hour and a half to catch another one but then I put a 17 and 18 in the box pretty quick. And then I saw one giant down there, and that one ended up being about six and a half pounds, and that, that took all the pressure off for the day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that now, would do it. Now, that, that was only with four fish in the box. Did, did you have a bunch of friends and family there at the weigh-in? Uh, yeah, quite a few. My Both my parents were there, and then my grandma and my sister and my girlfriend drove out too. Okay. So that had to be, I mean, pretty special. You know, if you get your first win and you're, you know, way out, you know, on one of the, on one of the Great Lakes or something like that, you know, you don't have the family and, and the friends there, you know, I mean, you, you got your friends that you travel with and whatnot, but it had to be extra special, you know, to have your mom and your girlfriend and everyone there. Yeah, yeah it was definitely nice being, being close to home. Uh, that, that was kind of one of our things that we always looked forward to when I was growing up to. Uh, my, when my dad won the event out in Lake Erie in 2012. Uh, my mom and I, my sister, and my grandparents jumped in the car and drove 13 hours throughout the night just to get there for, for his third win out there. And, uh, just one of those special road trips that you remember for a long time. Oh, yeah. I bet. Did you ride back with him? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I did. That'd be awesome. And it, it was a lot of fun too because we, we surprised them out there met them at the at the ramp when they're loading up the boats at the end of the day cool that is neat did what was it what was it like going to class on monday after you won <laughs> yeah no kidding. Wa- walking around like did people realize what you had just done or was it just like oh hey eric oh <laughs> uh, it was some of both so i'm all online this fall still oh i figured okay. that make it easier okay. for right traveling. that is a good point yeah that i was gonna say that has to be tough with classes and doing that so yep. the, the online option is nice yep and it, it was fun going into our our last uh college tournament was that on that wednesday and mo- most of those guys all congratulated me and it was fun very cool. Now you won what? What was it? Thirty three thousand dollars, and then a brand new boat. Yep. Yeah, I think it was like thirty one and a half after Angler Advantage, and then a six twenty one Ranger Pro, so and three hundred Pro XS. Okay. So now they they don't give you a boat. Like you get a certificate. Is that correct? Yep. Correct. And now you can potentially either use that and sell your current boat, or you can sell that certificate, or, or do whatever you want with that, right? Yep. Okay. What What do you plan on doing? Uh, I'm going back and forth. We're We're gonna go up and to one of the dealerships tomorrow and talk them, talk to them. Do a little tire yep. kicking. Yep. And I'd like to get on the Ranger and Mercury's Pro staff, and then. We'll go from there on if I use the certificate or not. You bet. Yeah, you bet. Now, Eric, you know, you, you kind of elaborated on it a little bit ago, and, and from what I read uh, leading up into this, uh, you caught a majority, if not all, of your fish uh, using forward-facing sonar. Uh, and, I, and so one of the things that I wanted to ask you was, A, uh, what kind of forward-facing sonar you were using. And I heard you mention live scope a couple times. Is that correct? Yep, yep, the Gar- Garmin Landscope. How long have you been using that technology? Uh, this is my first first year using it. Oh, wow. I but mean... I, I, I put a, a lot of hours on it just to try to perfect it and be able to tell what's a walleye and what's not. How many hours do you think a guy has to, you know, how many hours you got to be sitting there uh, work, working with that live scope before you could say, you know, hey, I, I think I got this figured out? It, it definitely takes a lot. 
it took me a couple of weeks to figure out kind of the, the the little things or the bigger things, I guess, just as far as settings and what's a fish or what's a rock. And then after a couple of months, you can start to figure out if you're working a steep brake line, how you need to position your boat to look over the edge or look up it. So you can't look sideways on a, on a steep brake. It's kind of like using a, a like a vexlar in the, in the winter time where you only read the top part of it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But now, now I'm kind of to the point where, even if they're laying on the bottom, you can kind of decipher if it's a rock or a or a fish or not. Now, one of the, one of the things that I wanted to ask you because neither me nor Matt have forward facing sonar, and in in a situation like this, I mean, do you uh, do you narrow down a few areas where you feel like there's going to be fish, and then just go there and and scan? with your forward-facing sonar, or are you using some side imaging and, and marking a fish and then turning around and pointing the boat at it and, and going at it like that? How, how exactly are you doing that? I kind of do it both ways. Uh, if, it's, if it's dirty water, I'll use side scan and uh, 2D sonar. But if it's clear, like otter tail is fairly clear. Even on the lax, I do it a lot. Where I'll just drop the panoptics down and drive around it a mile, mile and a half, an hour, and just go look look for fish that way so I don't get spooked by the boat as easily. Yeah, and then you can you can make casts with the jigging wrap or whatever else at the same time. You ever do any crappie with that thing? I haven't yet. No? I, I've seen some, some good schools of crappies that I just didn't have any any small baits with me. Yep. Yeah. Probably, yeah, I suppose, yeah, when you're out practicing and stuff like that, you run into something and you're just like, God, I wish I had. Yeah, right? <laughs> yep. Now, you 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 mentioned you you believe that you can tell like oh that's a walleye. I mean, by by shape or just uh, by the way it's acting or how how exactly do you feel you can tell? It's um it's some of both. Mainly by shape now. Okay. At least you can get a general idea. The suckers still look exactly like walleyes, kind of only just like on two D. Yep. But once you get to like your sheephead or bass or a little bit more of a rounder rounder mark. Huh. And out of otter tail, there's so many sturgeon in there. You, you figure out pretty pretty quick not to throw with the really big marks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I saw the biggest walleye of my life. That thing had to be <laughs> yeah. about 50 inches. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the first day of practice out there, I saw a big one. I thought it was a muskie, so I threw at it. I didn't know there was sturgeon in the lake at the time. And that one took me 45 minutes to get in. Ended up being a 66-inch sturgeon. Holy buckets. I don't even care. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, right. you know, even if that's not the target species, like, yep. you just got to pull up a dinosaur every once in a while, right? <laughs> yep, and that was definitely fun. How many, how many times on Mille Lacs have you been doing that and seen giant muskies? Uh, a few times. A few? Not, not too often. Um, I think a lot of them are pike, but they, they could be muskies, too. Okay. Right on. And, and it's amazing, whereas you always think walleyes are near the bottom, even on Mille Lacs or some of these inland lakes, or Green Bay and Erie, you, you know to go out there and show up high, suspended. But I think the, the shallowest water walleye I caught this week, or this year on Mille Lacs, was five feet down over 35 feet of water out in the mud. Oh, wow. And that one ended up being 25 inches long. Yeah, and you would have never, never thought that, but yeah, after yep. after you catch it and after you see it on on something like that, I yeah, seeing's believing. So, yep, it definitely changes the way you fish. Yeah, I don't make a cast anymore unless I unless I see the fish from the on the screen. Yeah, I do. Do you think do you think that there could ever be a time where that's your downfall? Like, you know, me and Matt do a lot of bass fishing. We watch a lot of Bassmaster Elite series, and some of these guys, you know, I. I think that they get so locked into the forward-facing sonar that you know if, if there's something else going on there they can kind of sometimes just end up oblivious to it it, it definitely can be a downfall you, you definitely have to kind of try to decipher that pretty quick in practice uh in the walleye world i think it's a lot easier as long as you're not in the super thick weeds yep, yeah but I, i've tried it up with my buddy and bemidji for the bass stuff and it, it, for the most part, it's it's pretty tough for for a large month at least, yep. just with how thick a cover they're always in. Yeah, yeah. I believe that. Yeah. But for smallies, I know a lot of guys use it and they they love it. But. 
Well, uh, Eric, what, what what does the future hold for Eric uh, McQuaid? Obviously, you know, I mean, you you proved to yourself that you belong on the NWT. So, uh, you know, I've, uh, we're we're assuming that that's going to be something that you fish for years to come. Uh, what what do you got planned for this winter? Uh, I'll probably be working or uh, finish school up here or keep keep going through school, and then I'll be working for my dad down at his resort in Mille Lacs. Do you do you like ice fishing? Uh, I do. It's, I really enjoy it the first like month or so before we can start <laughs> driving out there, and then it just kind of gets kind of gets old at that point. Yeah, I'm ready ready to get back out in the boat. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, if if some of the listeners want to follow you, uh, follow your fishing adventures, uh, what's the best way for them to find you? I'm on Facebook at Eric McCoy or on Instagram at McCoy Eric. McCoy Eric. Okay. They're they're both just personal pages. Yeah, just just personal ones. So I, I got to make a make a, a business one here pretty soon. Right, what are you gonna call it? Are you gonna call it like Eric McQuaid professional angler, or I mean, can you do it like Eric McQuaid NWT champ? Or I mean, what? <laughs> hey, do you like what? Do you have like a nickname? Do you, what does everybody does everybody call you something or? Uh, not yet. Hmm. At least not one that sticks out anyway. I'm trying well, to think. I'm trying to think. You know, like. Like Scott said, with us watching Bassmasters a lot, um, Dave Mercer always has nicknames for guys when they come up on stage. So I don't know, like what they could come up with you, like Earthquake McQuaid or something <laughs> like that. Or I, I think I think one of these NWT tournaments start putting the bug out there. But I really think me and Matt need to come up there and and do a little yakking at one of these NWT tournaments. <laughs> we'll start giving some nicknames and. You know, maybe hand out some chicken wings, potato chips. <laughs> Just, that sounds I mean, good to me. Yeah, well, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna make this place rocking. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Eric, no, go ahead. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say it should be a, a fun year next year. Looking at the schedule. Yeah, yeah, they came out with the schedule. What? Uh, what do you What do you think about the championship being out in New York? I think it's a great place for it. it it's a little far for some of us, but. There are quite a few guys from that area that go out. Right. And then just the, the location on Erie is going to be perfect for that time of year. Yeah, that's all, what I... All, all those big fish are still still over there. All right. Yeah. Like, like last year, we were in, on, I think we were out of Lorraine last year, or in the, in that general area. And they're just out of reach for us. Yep. Yeah, hopefully hopefully it's a complete slugfest, and hopefully it, it'll be good. Hopefully you have a good showing. Yeah, we should be able to. Might need the shovels in uh, Detroit River in the spring, but what's that? No, it's on the Detroit River in March thirty first and April first. We might need the shovels there. Right. Could could still have some snow and whatnot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, between the snow and hopefully there's no icebergs coming down over still. Wouldn't that and... be something? <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess you got to fish in all conditions, and uh, yeah, we wish you the best of luck. Uh, we thank you for joining the show, and uh, hopefully we have you on again sometime. Perfect. Thanks for having me. All right, That's see thanks, ya. man. And there goes Mr. Eric McQuaid, uh, the man who got it done on Otter Tail Lake, the man that put over $100,000 into his pocket. That's what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, I, I could go for that. That's, not, that's you know, what I'm talking about. You know, the, the famous group Hall & Oates one said i could go for that and i could go for that if you won a hundred thousand dollars uh today matt well actually we'll say tomorrow where are you gonna go eat tomorrow night because you can't stay home the night no if you win something like that i mean i'm going culver's well it's gonna end up i mean ice cream is gonna be in the equation at the end or at the beginning and at the end i don't know but uh there's definitely gonna be a big steak involved mm. mm-mm-mm What's your favorite kind of steak? You know, are you a, you a, are I, you a sirloin I, guy? I you know the more you, if you get a really good cooked sirloin, sometimes it's it actually really, some of the best. I, right. I believe. I I I'd say so too. But I mean, it's hard to narrow it down between you know a T bone or a ribeye or a New York strip is always a good one. I I'm I'm strictly basically a, a sirloin guy. Well, a I'll go and I'll take a look and I'll see what the biggest steak on the menu is. Right. And and a lot of times, uh, you know, if the, if there's a 12 ounce ribeye and a 12 ounce sirloin, I'm gonna go with the sirloin. A because it's cheaper. B 
because I'm not throwing away any fat. Right. Like that yeah. that really pains me to to get a T bone and to throw away half the weight, you know, in in bone or you know, like I'll eat a big chunk of fat on a steak. Like I I like that, but not not uh, sometimes you know with some of those ribeyes it gets to be a little bit too much. Yeah, I you know last weekend I had some prime rib and I just. As much as I try to get into the prime rib, I just can't get into the prime rib. But like, it sounds good, and then you start eating it, and after a while, it's kind of like, really wish I'd had ordered like the sirloin or the the New York strip or something. Did you dunk it in a juice? Well, of course, you got to do that. Did so. you get it with a baked potato? Yeah, I get it with a baked potato. Oh, that's your problem. No, baked potato is the biggest waste of potato there is. <laughs> you either get fries or you get hash browns. Anything else? Hash browns is, is, wasn't an option at this place, which okay, was disappointing. Well, so, but they had fries. Yeah, I probably could have got fries. Oh, you screwed up. No, I'll get how do you feel about potato. sweet potato fries? Oh, I don't mind them every once in a while. F that. <laughs> F that. I, I will guarantee you that this old boy is never going to be ordering any sweet potato fries. Like, straight potatoes only. That's right. But no, that was a hundred thousand dollars. That's what you, you're getting a steak. Yeah. Best steakhouse that's half close. Yeah. Okay. Um, last week, uh, Matt, me and you talked about bogs and sloughs and swamps and uh, a bunch of different stuff like that. And uh, I think that we had decided that uh, um, a swamp was something that if you were standing 20 yards away from, you couldn't tell where where land started and ended, yep. you know, where, where water started and land ended. And, uh, you know, I know that uh, we, we came up with a couple other, uh, you know, marsh and whatnot, uh, a couple other terms, and uh, I got an answer. I got a real answer from Mr. Science himself, Scott Mockentoon, uh, the fisheries biologist for the Minnesota DNR. We've had him on the show before. Uh, we've made fun of him plenty oh, of times. Magic Mockentoon. Yeah, we should make fun of him more often. But uh, so he actually sent me an email that uh, said, uh, definitions adapted from Robert Wetzel's limnology. So limnology must be some sort of aquatic term, but uh, limnology, third edition. So I, I don't oh, know. Okay, yeah. I, I was thinking the first and second edition. Yeah, you, I, you've read those front to right, back, but third, but third edition. edition I, haven't, I haven't read that one yet. So so we got, we got answers like uh, lake. A freshwater water body with a residence time of greater than one day. So I don't know what residence time means, but I think it's how long fish can last in it. Okay. Sounds good. I'm going to guess. That's it. We got another answer like uh, swamp, a type of pond wherein standing water is among vegetation, also colloquially called a slough. I think colloquially. Pond, a shallow lake characterized by an abundance of aquatic microvegetation and associated microflora attached to all surfaces. Yep. So, I mean, these are the type of answers, you know, I mean, we can't just go with uh, creek, crick, (laughs) crick has a tire in it. Swamp, you can't tell where the bank is. Apparently, there's some real science that goes into that, and uh, it makes it a whole lot less fun. It does. Anytime they want to try to get science involved. Yeah, I know. They always come with that card. I'd rather hear what, you know, old Leroy down there had to say, you know, oh, there's there's 10 tires in that one, so that's a crick. That's so. crick. Out there's crick. <laughs> that's a slew because back in 35, somebody drove their car into it, and it's still at the bottom of it, so. Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> um. So we've talked about this before. Scott McIntoon, uh, I don't even remember what episode he was on. We'll say maybe 20 episodes ago, 15 episodes ago. Uh, you know, he got on, and if, if, if you couldn't tell from that episode, uh, um, he's actually smarter than what he looks. I mean, he looks like, mm, yeah, well, whatever. But uh, he went to the University of Minnesota, graduated, uh, you know, I don't know, I think like – Actually, with a six-year degree, not not uh, not uh, one of those deals where you know a master's degree, not where it took him six years to get a four-year degree, but uh, um, I mean the the guy the guy is incredibly smart, uh, biologist for the Minnesota DNR, and uh, so we've we've talked about it before, but I would really like to have a uh, a show where we get a bunch of questions from you, the listeners, and we ask them these questions. You know, if if you've ever sat there and thought, you know. 
golly, I wonder, you know, how long it takes for a perch to get, uh, you know, uh, its maximum size or whatever. Well, you know what, this, this is the guy to ask. And, you know, just, just, you know, reproduction stuff, all sorts of stuff. Um, about fish. You know what? Heck, you know if you you want to ask him about cardboard boxes, (laughs) yeah. I'm talking about reproduction. Well, fish reproduction. Easy, Matt. Come on, man. But uh, no, I I don't know. I I really think that that could really be a fun episode. So uh, maybe we'll just kind of put it out there that we'll have Scott on again towards the end of October. He doesn't even know about this yet, but uh, Scott, you're going to be on closer to the end of October. Um, and we're going to get together some night and we're going to have an ask the biologist. So if you guys, uh, um, if you guys have any, any questions, uh, Midwest angler one, the number one at gmail.com send, uh, send anything, uh, to us. Otherwise, uh, message us on our Facebook page, uh, the Midwest angler podcast. Um, and everybody who sends in a question, uh, we'll throw you in, uh, We'll throw you in a drawing to win a free shirt. Um, get a few people in that way, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and uh, we'll see what comes. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to throw this guy a couple stumpers. Right. I'm, yeah. I mean, see what you got. I mean, if there's ever anything you wondered, like what's that fin on a fish? Yeah. Ask away. Ask he'll away. Know. Yep, he will. And if he doesn't, he'll make something up. I think that's I think that's the old standby. Right. And me and Matt have been doing it for dang near three years on this podcast. Well, and he it doesn't matter what he'd say. We we believe him. Yeah, absolutely, so. absolutely. Okay. Uh, now that we got that out of the way, we can be done talking about Tall Scott. But uh, Matt, I got another question for you. Electric outboard motors. Electric outboard motors. I. It's a topic that have, needs to be discussed. Have you seen? Have you seen that uh, they are officially, officially here? You could say officially in the United States. Um, Yamaha has an outboard motor called the Harmo, uh, and it's a forty-eight volt power supply, um, three point seven kilowatt motor, and two hundred and twenty-five pounds of static thrust. Uh, equivalent to a 9.9 horsepower gas motor. Um, you know, th- this is just the start. There there was a time, so, so I'll tell you, you know, it wasn't that long ago that my brother told me that he was getting a K-drill and he was going to, you know, drill holes through the ice with a, you know, with a cordless drill. And I was like, you freaking moron. Right. Like yeah, that, that thing is never right. going to do it. You know, why are you even thinking about, you know, spending stupid money on that? And, and that now, worked out. Right. And now there's know, not much for gas augers. Right. And, you know, I mean, if you're going to sit here and think like, oh, man, they can never get 150 horsepower, you know, that thing's never going to be as good as my Merc. I mean, guys, like we've got cars running strictly on electric now. Yeah. You know, I mean, there there's pickups coming out. You know, I mean, it, I, it's I, if I remember right, I think that Troy Linder fished tournaments down in. Arizona last year, a couple years ago. It's a couple years ago now, and if I believe right, he had an electric motor on one of his boats. That that's all he ran, huh? That's all he ran. I think it might have been something like that's all he could run in that lake okay. that they were yep. on, and yep. something like that. And he, I mean, he could get going pretty fast with it, like a decent speed with the boat. So, like you said, I think it is definitely you know with the introduction of lithium batteries and them being able to last long, I. I really think that down the road, it is something that is going to come into factor. Well, and I mean, look at the price on what these new, uh, you know, I mean, if, if you're going to go buy, uh, you know, if, if you've got a big walleye boat, like like probably Eric McQuaid has, uh, you know, I mean, these guys have 300 horsepower Mercs on the back and, and whatnot. I mean, the price tags on those. You know, I mean, you can't sit here and say, oh, man, you know, those batteries are so stinking expensive. Yeah, so are, so are outboard motors, period. Right, you know? and, and so is and gas, so, period. So. Yeah, so, I mean, but if if they end up coming out with these electric outboard motors and they're somewhat affordable and then you turn around and, you know, have to pay for, you know, four four batteries or, you know, six batteries, eight batteries, you know, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they make golf carts, you know, that can haul around two 400 pound guys, you know, you know, for, for multiple rounds of golf up and down hills, you know, whatever. I I don't know. Like I'd. And with like, 
with the emission standards and stuff like that, I mean, it's going to come into play, I think, quicker than what folks realize. And, you know, I, I guess I'm not 100 per like, you know, part of me, you know, is, is one of these guys, you know, gas-powered motors, you know, the only thing reliable, you know, whatever. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think everybody all the way across the board is putting a whole lot more uh, – a whole lot more trust in electric than you know than what, what all of us were you right. know even ten years ago. Yep. I mean you know with with Dewalt to Milwaukee you know ha- having you know leaf blowers chainsaws you know all sorts of stuff you know I, I get that's not an outboard motor you know that that's going to propel a, a twenty horsepower fiberglass boat or a twenty foot fiberglass boat but uh you know I, I don't know you know I mean all you got to do is make that same technology just a little bit bigger. Yeah. And, and things start happening. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. And um, who knows, it might be might be benefit for it. Uh, nobody thought electric, the, your trolling motors were going to be where they're at today either. And, and I mean, those things can move a big, big boat along pretty good. And yeah, I, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. The only, you know, I guess just the same as, uh, you know, having a bunch of gasoline out on the water. You know, I mean, if you happen to have a fire out there, you know, ooh, okay, right. it's it's curtains. You know, same thing, you know, like with electric, you know, ha- having a ton of electric stuff in something that could potentially take on water and whatnot, you know, yeah, it's always it's like, like yeah, how, does, how exactly does that work? But uh, um, I, I don't know, guys. I, I think it's the future. I, I uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not running out to buy an electric outboard this afternoon, but uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's something that, all of us probably got to start taking a look at, and you know, I, I don't know. I honestly think five, ten years from now, I yeah, mean, like it, you, it's going to be a real conversation. Like you said, when they first started talking about electric cars, it was just like, yeah, that's never going to happen, and it is. So, yep, yep, yeah. yep. So, all right, Matt. Uh, I don't know if I've got really anything else. Uh, do, 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 do you have anything else, or should yeah, we get on over to got something else? We're going streaking. We're going streaking, Scott. We're still streaking. 107, man. That's what I got. 107. Yeah. You, yep. You got the. You got. You are officially up to 107 bass in a row. Uh, Yesterday was pretty tiny, but that hey, it counts. It don't need to be big, right? So it was a struggle the other day. On Saturday, it was a struggle. Really? I hooked into some, but they came off before I got them in, and. Then it got real slow, and it took me a couple hours, and finally I caught one. So okay, so so now that you are officially a hundred and seven, I mean, is is this are we still going for a while, or what, what are we doing here? As long as I can keep catching them, we'll keep going. This coming Thursday will be interesting because I'm going to have to get it done in the morning okay. because I have a football, a middle school football game at Spirit Lake that afternoon at 4 and you 30 can't and talk the bus driver <laughs> from spirit you know just leaving the spirit lake uh i could well i mean i guess i could drive over there separately and hit up the lake or something like that but yeah it'll be interesting so thursday if, if we can make it through thursday which golly what what's that going to be like up or that'd be 111 something like that 111 yeah. okay well uh yeah we'll we'll keep going i mean as long as you're still rocking we're still uh we're still uh Hoping, hoping that you keep doing it. Yeah, I, I light, don't. I lightning don't. shortened it up the other day. The other morning, I went down there, and all of a sudden, it was raining, and I was like, I can fish in the rain quick for 15 minutes, and I made a few casts, and all of a sudden, there was a couple cracks of lightning pretty close, and I was like, man, okay, I'm. You don't feel like it, uh, it's, holding it's not that lightning rod, yeah. It's not worth it for this. I'll come back in the afternoon. So, are you happy now, Dan? Are you? Yeah, happy? I, I told him that. I saw him at Hot Lunch Week this week. He was eating with Addison, and. uh I went up to him. I said, "It almost took an act of God to end the streak." I said, "That's what you wanted, wasn't it? For me to get struck by lightning to end it. You would have been out there cheering." He probably would have been. He probably would have <laughs> been. Come on, Dan. Be a man. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Okay. Um. I guess. Uh, yeah. I guess. I. I guess we'll go right into. Um, I guess we'll go into good news stories. Matt, do you have a good news story? It is. I'm just going to wish my mom a happy birthday. It's her birthday. Today? Tomorrow is, well, Monday, October 4th is her birthday, so. Well, I don't want to be uh, the one to let you know, but my birthday is also this coming week. This coming week. So this coming it's week. kind of birthday weeks here, yep. so. 
All the best people are born on this coming week. It must be. The more people get that figured out, uh, the better. Um, direct all birthday presents to Scott Sturman in Rock Rapids, Iowa, 51246. Uh, so, that, so that means I, I'm, uh, that's going to be a busy week for me then, too. You're going to be busy making pictures. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of gonna, pictures ready. So. I shouldn't have even said anything, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, no, my good news story. Uh, not gonna, not gonna. It's not a whole heck of a lot. But uh, today we got a Snapchat from uh, my neighbor Jeremy K, who was out with his son Drew. Uh, looked like they got into some bluegills, and uh, I don't know. I just, you know, we've we've kind of talked about it before. When I first moved up here, you know, Jeremy had never fished, and here right. he is, you know, having having the confidence to, uh, you know, take himself, take his kids out fishing, you know, and and. Uh, heck, I think it was a week or two ago that Jeremy had another Snapchat that Drew had caught a bass yep, up on, no. uh, or down at the river here in our town. And I don't know. I just, he's uh, taking it off the hook and everything himself. So that's yep. cool. He actually had to help his dad take one off. Well, there. right. I know he always has to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was down when I was down at the river today, I was driving to the little dam and I saw a truck there and I was like, Oh, that truck looks familiar. And saw a couple little boys running around there and i was like those boys look familiar and it was uh, a friend from ellsworth uh ryan hikus oh really debo is what we call him that's uh sitting there fishing so i pulled up and started talking to him and he said that his boys they were sitting at home and said that they wanted to go fishing down to rock rabbits so heck yeah he loaded them up and they went and bought some bait and they were down there so stood there and talked to them for a while and it was kind of neat to see them and they were exploring the rocks and one was you know fishing one was exploring in the rocks so that's kind of nice thing about the river is oh yeah keeps you occupied oh yeah yeah you can just go walking along the bank and you know just just looking at stuff and you know there's always enough going on down there that's a it's a special place it is it really is all right well there's your good news stories uh um yeah i guess uh with that, uh, we'll see you next week on episode 141. I got it right, episode 141. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we thank you all for uh, for listening again. Uh, see you next week.